0: Fun to watch. 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.
1: Coming at you a little earlier this week, it is the Massin All Access Podcast. Bobby Blanco here with you from the safety of my own home in Washington, D.C., soon to be joined by Amy Jennings in just a bit. Thank you all so much for making us a part of your late Tuesday afternoon as we kick off this seemingly incredibly third week of spring training already. Um, If you're tuning in live, hope you are watching on Facebook or YouTube or Massin National's Twitter account. Uh, across the board, be sure to comment along. We love your input throughout the course of the show, um, and we really appreciate your participation in the conversation, or perhaps you're catching uh, us up after the fact on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Uh, let me bring in Amy Jennings, who is joining me via Zoom from the safety of her own home. Um, Amy, sorry if you can hear, um, and for those listening and watching about at home, uh, if you can hear some construction going outside the window they seem have they seem to have been um, working on this traffic circle near my house ever since I moved in here since November. Uh, so if you can hear any rattering or racketeering in the background that is not racketeering but you know what I mean racket in the background that is what that's going on. How are you good to see you
2: It's good to see you too, Bobby. Um, I hope that gets done for you soon. You don't have to deal with that too much longer, but I can't hear it, so maybe the the viewers at home can't hear either, but I'm doing well. I won't talk about the weather this week, but we got to see some some real baseball, some real baseball games, and our Maryland basketball got us a a solid win this week to start the week off.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think, uh, you know, maybe next week we'll do a little March Madness preview for those college basketball fans out there. We'll try to stick mostly to baseball, but, I mean, I think for our Terps, it could be safe to say that uh, they are in the tournament. Um, they have riding high a five-game winning streak. They demolished Michigan State on Sunday. So two more games left in the regular season against Not great of opponents. Poor Mark Zuckerman's Northwestern Wildcats uh, have to host us tomorrow night, so maybe that'll be an easy win for the Terrapins, and uh, they'll move into March. Um, You know, uh, latest ranking I saw, they were at eight seed in, I think, the Midwest region, So, uh, according to ESPN.com, so pretty exciting. Um, I love this time of year, Amy. You get college basketball, you know, where you should have the tournament back after missing last year. You have spring training going around. Um, Of course, the NBA and NHL in the middle of their season. This is a great time of year for sports and particularly baseball. Now, since we're a couple of weeks into spring training and we've seen some live games being played.
2: Right. I know that's the exciting part. And some fans in the stands, it feels like maybe we're going to be back to normal life sometime soon. So we're looking forward our spirits are bright. I'm excited um, and, and today we're going to bring you some of the stuff that we've seen over the, the past two weeks or so. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell because while we're in the third week of spring training, we've only really seen two live games and spring training is what it is. So uh, uh, we're going to sh- we're going to get into what we've seen so far and what you can take it for what it's worth.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we'll, 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 when we get into it, take everything with a grain of salt, right? It's spring training. It's only been two games. It's only been two weeks, one week of workout. I mean, I think um, today's actually the one week uh, of of, pit, of uh, position players being there, so it's not even the full squad hasn't been, been together for two full weeks, but it's exciting like nonetheless. Um, before we get into what we've learned so far in spring training, Amy, there was actually some relatively pertinent breaking news right before we came on, uh, the air, Washington, D.C., and, and uh, uh, Mayor Muriel Bowser has announced that they will not allow fans into Nationals Park to start the season yet. Um, that is, of course, the determination right now. It's only March 2nd. Uh, I can't believe we're in March, but here we are. Uh, opening day is, of course, uh, April 1st um, at Nationals Park against the Mets on that Thursday night. Um You know, the decision comes a month away, and of course they're going to say that right now, but the main takeaway I think should be also they're going to reconvene uh, in a couple of weeks, and midway through March they'll reconsider allowing fans in uh, to Nationals Park for opening day.
2: Yeah, that's what i was gonna say bobby the good news is they're gonna reevaluate you know towards towards the end of the month and closer to the start of the season which is the the takeaway and the good news um and i feel like it just depends on where these teams are the states that they're in and they're the governors the mayors and that's kind of get the short end of the stick if you will being in the nation's capital uh not only are, is there the extra population and all of that but there's a lot of pressure. Um, On DC probably a lot more eyes there than some other places across the country. So we'll see how that works out We know that fans have to be in the stands at some point. So we'll see the closer we get to opening day
1: Yeah, and I think it also, you know, some fans might be upset because in the past couple of days we've seen other cities and states uh, starting to loosening up their restrictions in terms of uh, social gatherings and large gatherings. Um, New York, a couple of weeks back, just yesterday, the state of Pennsylvania announcing that they're going to allow a small number of people into um, social events and, and um, larger events. Um, I believe the city of Philadelphia joined them in announcing, uh, I think, 8,800 people allowed in Citizens Bank Park for Philly's opening day. Um, and, and of course they'll allow some fans in for Sixers and Flyers games as well. But yeah, Washington DC, I mean it, it's I, I think they're being cautious with it. They're being smart about it. Of course, DC and, you know, surrounding states like Maryland and Virginia have been, you know, kind of the uh, of the forefront of all of this since the very beginning. They've been very smart and and cautious of how they're allowing their citizens to um, live their lives and I think people are, are are doing well in that and we're trying to make sure that these cases uh, stay down and the numbers stay down and who knows you know if we're lucky enough and if the cases look good uh, or the numbers look good in a couple weeks maybe we'll that decision will be reversed and we'll be able to welcome fans into Nationals Park on opening day um, which is again like I said less than a month away right now so uh, fingers crossed. Uh, that was some breaking news. Um, it's it's you know not the news that Nationals fans want to hear right now, but subject to change, and hopefully we'll be able to see some people inside Nationals Park. Uh, we know the fans, I mean, excuse me, the, the players and Dave Martinez want to hear that. Like you said, Amy, they've been um, playing in front of fans. Uh, their first two games of spring training um, against the Cardinals in Jupiter and then against the Astros in West Palm Beach. Uh, they'll host the Marlins tomorrow. Uh, one o'clock. So more fans there. They're, they're they're excited. They're happy to see fans in the stands. Um, um, it means a lot to them. So uh, David Martinez even said today that, you know, they're hoping that in a couple of weeks that they'll be able to uh, reconsider and make me make, make some adjustments and allow some fans in a Nationals Park. Um, all right. Go ahead.
2: Nope, go ahead, Bobby. Oh, no, I was, I getting, I was gonna say, <laughs> no, I, was, uh, I was just going to say, probably he's a game changer for them, right? To, yeah. to play in front of real people uh, instead of automated noise and all of that. But
1: I, I don't know if you've seen any pictures um, from West Palm Beach. I didn't see, I mean, you know, the, uh, the beat reporters that are down there, I believe Jesse Dockery from the Washington Post and Jessica, Jessica Camerato from MLB.com are there uh, consistently. They've posted some pictures and videos on their Twitter accounts. Uh, and the crowds look very spaced out. I mean, it's not a lot, especially in West Palm Beach. I mean, if you've been to the uh, the ballpark of the Palm Beaches and, and seen the crowd, they can fit a lot of people in. It's a good crowd, and, and there's not that many people. It's very spaced out, looks very safe, people wearing masks, which is a good thing. Um, so I'll be, it's a very small crowd, but it's people nonetheless. And I think, uh, the players and coaches on both sides have appreciated it. And it brings some sense of normalcy back to playing baseball. Like we remember it, uh, back uh, this time last year and, and all the way back to 2019. So hopefully we're seeing some more fans creep into the stadium, um, and get back to that kind of sense of normalcy, uh, relatively soon. Um, okay. So like we said at the top of the show and be sure to be commenting along Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, wherever you're watching the show, or participating, you can also tweet at us at Bobby underscore Blanco at Amy Jennings News. Um, after the fact, we've got a lot of great feedback from fans. Um, even days after that, we, we go live on the show, so really appreciate everyone chiming in. Um, but we wanted to do a quick what have we learned? You know, uh, some things that we think we know, some things that are we do know. Um, again, is take it with a grain of salt, there's not too much to, to, uh, dissect right now. We're only two games in, barely two weeks into spring training, but there are a couple of things that we think that we know about this Nationals team heading into opening day as we inch and inch and get closer and closer to it. Um uh, first and foremost, Amy, for me, one of my first ones is that um I think we can pretty confidently say that these non-roster invitees aren't just here to fill out roster space. They're here to compete. And a, a handful of times Davey Martinez has mentioned a handful, some of these guys off the cuff unprompted, um, guys like uh, Hernan Perez, Wellington Casillo, guys that are non-roster invitees, uh, haven't even maybe, maybe even played in a major league game in a couple of years, um, and, and Dave Martinez is pointing them out, expecting them to make some uh, headlines and possibly make a push for the roster come opening day.
2: Yeah, that's one of the most exciting parts, especially at the beginning of spring training when you're getting a chance... To see these guys a lot of these non rice non-roster invites are, are getting at bats um, and a couple of bats a game which is really exciting and Arnon Perez my my dark horse there he was one of four guys to get a hit that first game um, but it's exciting to hear those names and they came out to compete right they're there to compete to make make a roster spot and you know unfortunately some of them get the short end of the stick because they have Options left and yada yada. Um, but but they're there to make the roster and uh, they're there to compete. And we've seen some exciting long at bats from them so far.
1: Yeah, if you're looking right now on the screen, if you're watching along with us, Hernan Perez career stats, uh, you know, he's played in almost 650 games. His average is just above 250. Nothing too spectacular there. Only 45 home runs to 180 RBIs and an OPS of uh, 667. You know, not outstanding numbers, but Amy, what really has been um, a sticking at a home point for Davy Martinez that is he finds really impressive from Hernan Perez is his versatility. And, and we know Davey likes versatility in his guys. Uh, you think back to last year with Josh Harrison, they moved him all around the diamond. Um, they, you know, Davy was before this time, but Trey Turner has, you know, wasn't a, strictly a shortstop. The Nationals value guys who can play multiple positions um, and, and can provide some kind of versatility to the lineup, and they can bring different skill sets uh, and where they can play in the infield, in the outfield. They can bring their bat to the lineup. So Hernan Perez definitely fits that role. Uh, Davy Martinez has mentioned that he's going to get some time in left field. Well, let's actually hear from Davy Martinez right now because I pulled this audio clip from a couple of days ago. He was asked about Josh Harrison, and we know Josh Harrison is going to be on the opening day roster, right? Um, and, uh, but he brought up uh, Hernan Perez – in terms of the uh, versatility that he brings and the chances of him making the roster for opening day and, and the, the kind of positions that the nationals are hoping to put him in throughout spring training. So here's Davey Martinez on Hernan Perez just the other day.
3: Oh man, we want Schwaber to play every day um, and, and he's our left fielder, but he will get some reps out of left field uh, along with Hernan Perez um, who plays everywhere as well. So, um, you know, but, you know, we want Schwarber, you know, we signed Schwarber. When I talked to him over the winter, you know, we want him to play left field every day. And that's, that's all up to him. So, um, but we get, we're going to get these guys out there and get these guys playing in multiple positions. Um, I got two guys, you know, you talk about Harrison, but I got another guy that's in camp um, that could play everywhere and that's Hernan Perez. Um, you know, he's played everywhere. I mean, he could play center field, he played play short, second, first, third. Uh, and it's nice to have those guys.
1: Amy, you called it last week. I mean, this is a perfect, great dark horse candidate for spring training because just a couple days after you kind of pointed him out, Davey Martinez mentions him off the cuff. Uh, and, and unsolicited of uh, just chatting about Hernan Perez and the, abil- the ability that he brings to the lineup and the versatility. Going to get a lot of chances to play left field. He was in that starting lineup for their opener against the Cardinals, and it's someone that uh, Dave Martinez is counting on to you know, add some depth to this bench and, and possibly bring give the Nationals a lot more options.
2: Exactly. You know, I guess when you're competing for that last roster spot, you're going to be used as a utility guy. You want versatility. You want to be able to play any position that you can and give your manager the option to put you out there in almost every single scenario. Like I said, he's played a, a, um, every position in the majors except for catcher, So he can play lots of different positions. That gives Davy Martinez a, a lot of variability and um, that'll be good for him moving forward as he competes for a roster spot. And it'll be exciting to see more of these, these non-roster invites, get at bats, uh, get innings out there over the next few weeks.
1: Another one of those names, uh, non-roster invites, um, that have uh, come up quite a bit recently. And, again, these are unprompted. You know, oftentimes Dave Martinez just brings these names up while he's talking to the media on, on a daily basis, and he just mentions them, um, which makes me think that, you know, these are guys in the, on the forefront of his mind, and then he's considering uh, pretty heavily to give them a chance uh, to make the roster. And one of those guys is Wellington Casillo, a guy that they brought in last year as a non-roster invitee for the catcher's spot. Of course, the shutdown um, the shortened season kind of derailed that opportunity for him. But bring him back this year on another non-roster invitee uh, invitation. Um, and a couple of times, Davey has alluded to the fact that, you know, it's not just a definite sure thing. Jan Gomes, Alex Avila are your one-two catchers. Wellington Castillo is firmly in that mix with uh, Alex Avila to be the backup catcher. Um, of course, Avila has, a, a, you know, a slight upper hand on him having played last year, but Casillo has a long, pretty solid career, especially offensively. Um, And if he plays well this spring, he could uh, pose a threat to uh, Alex Sevilla for that backup catcher's role
2: hmm And, you know, just the fact that he's, you know, coming out of Davey Martinez's mouth right now and is on the forefront of his mind is really good news for him. That means that maybe he really is competing for that spot. Um, And, and he's kind—he's of, a guy that's been around. You kind of forget about him here and there, but back this year competing at spring training, and, and maybe he'll get a shot because, like you said, it, it's not set, especially at that position.
1: Yeah, and looking at his career numbers, I mean, over – 720 games. He's hit over 250, of course, those games. Almost 100 home runs, uh, almost 340 RBIs, and OPS over 730. So the guy brings offensive prowess. I mean, he, he can hit the ball pretty well. Uh, his defensive abilities, I think, have been kind of in question in the later part of his career. I do think he's uh, slightly above 30, if not 30 years old, maybe a little bit older. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, but the Nationals, that's not new for the Nationals, right? Their last couple of catchers have been already in their 30s in, in Jan Gomes and Kurt Suzuki, uh, even going back to, like, a Matt weeders type. So that's not something new that they're used to bringing that in. I, I just think that it was very interesting to me that, you know, they went and signed Alex Sevilla to this major league contract, right, a one-year deal. A couple of million dollars. Um, They bring in Wellington Castillo on a roster uh, invitation to spring training, but you know, time and time again, and it wasn't. It's not like a daily thing. It's every once in a while. But it's more than once that Dave Martinez has mentioned his name in terms of the backup catcher's role. So you wouldn't normally hear that when you've got a guy who is on, you know, making a couple million dollars, gets a major league deal, and then a guy who's just getting a non-roster invitation. Um, that at, at the first I would have thought it was just kind of a courtesy because they brought him in last year and he didn't really get a chance to compete for the team because of the shutdown. Now we're here again and he's trying to compete for this team. Um, and, and has a, what I see uh, as a legitimate shot to be the backup catcher. And
2: mm-hmm. and he's 33, Bobby. So, okay, so he- a little older. Yep, so a little bit older. And when you sign these guys on short-term deals or, you know, not for a whole lot of money, veteran guys, uh, and you only have to get a year out of them or here competing for that backup spot, don't even have a spot on the roster yet, it gives you a little bit of room where, you know, you go out there and sign an expensive catcher like Rio Muto and he gets hurt. And then, you know, you have to worry about who's competing in your backup. So this is, the, the Nationals are in a good spot. Uh, they're not in, is spending a whole lot of money at this position. And they have a couple guys that are, are making efforts and and could be competing for the spot over over the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, and, and Mike Rizzo and Dave Martinez always preach competition. Uh, they think competition drives these guys and it makes them better. So the fact that, you know, Alex Sevilla might, he can't just sit back and be comfortable thinking that I've got this in the bag. No, there's someone right behind me who has a chance to take my spot. So I got to play my best ball. This spring, too. That's always good. I think that's always good in Mike Rizzo's eye, and I agree. One more name I wanted to bring up, again, and only because I think it was Jesse Doherty who brought it up the other day, but uh, Yasmani Tomas. and This is a name that kind of flies under the radar. People might remember him from his time in Arizona all the way back, and I think it was 2016. He had over 30 home runs. Uh, You know, a solid bat player, not great defensively. I'm not really sure where he would fit on the defensive side of the ball, especially, God forbid, if he had to be in the starting lineup every day. But this is a guy that has a track record of being able to put up some big numbers and power hitting numbers uh, throughout the course of the year. Another non-roster invitee, um, I believe he got in the game yesterday uh, against the Astros. um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just another name that, i think people are familiar with and people forget that he's in west palm too with this team with a chance to compete for one of those final bench spots possibly to uh, uh, to break the camp with
2: and probably his thing and i think this was in jesse Doherty's reporting was that it'll come down to him being able to hit for power and if he goes out through spring training hits for a ton of power looks good at the plate um then he has a shot uh, but then they went out and signed and traded for some of these big power hitters, so it's it would be kind of a trade-off. But that's kind of his thing. Uh, he has he has a lot of that that raw power. So if he comes out to spring training, shows that he's back in that that true form, uh, then maybe he has a chance. But he does fly under the radar, just like you said, and he's he's a guy to just keep your eye on, because um, he's right in this uh, non-roster uh, invitee that you rate right, competing for a spot.
1: Yep, he went two for three yesterday against the Astros. He started in left field, so they're giving him a shot out there, you know, which I think is interesting too because early on in spring training in the National League, you have the DH. They have the ability to DH him. So David Martinez is trying to give him a chance to prove himself in the outfield as well uh, that he can compete and play at a high level defensively here. Um, so those are just a couple of names that I found interesting um, among the non-roster invitees that so far have proven themselves not just to be roster fillers. You know, Amy, with with the way that this spring training has been set up, the roster, the camp sizes are expanded so um, so much because of COVID, right? So they have extra guys there, you know, God forbid, in case someone goes down, not just injury, but on the COVID list or something, you have extra bodies there to fill out camp, um, and, and the Nationals use those spots to fill Oh, they filled those spots with guys that they think could compete for the opening day roster, um, not just placeholders that, you know, can pitch in a, in a workout if needed be. You no, know, they're there to compete for spots, drive up the competition, uh, which I think is really smart and really interesting. And those are three names I think uh, people should keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks as we inch and inch closer to the end of spring training. Uh, Amy, what is something that you have learned throughout the first couple of weeks of spring training?
2: Oh, well, I think one of the biggest things, and we've kind of talked about it on this podcast, um, here and there. And just two years ago, uh, was the possibility of Victor Robles actually starting off the season hitting leadoff. right? We kind of always knew he had the makeup, the potential, uh, to hit in that spot and we knew that two years ago or last year the beginning of last season Davey Martinez was throwing that idea around but obviously his numbers weren't there specifically his on-base percentage just wasn't there to be a leadoff guy um but now the hitting leadoff yesterday maybe this Davey Martinez is really considering this um and maybe this will be his trial period uh trying to hit off leadoff and see if it works out or maybe he'll actually in the opening day lineup be hitting leadoff for this team.
1: Yeah, I I know for a fact that that's something that Davey and Mike Rizzo and even Kevin Long, who we'll hear from in in just a bit, really want. That is their ideal scenario is Victor Robles becoming the leadoff hitter. And this is something that, yeah, we've talked about a little bit over the course of the offseason, not so much at the start of spring training. But as we've gotten here, um, yeah, this is ideal for them. If, If Victor Robles can become the leadoff hitter that he had once projected to be when he was in the minor leagues, It allows you to slide trade turner down to possibly the three hole. That adds protection to Juan Soto, who then can move up in bat second, who we saw, uh, which we saw a lot at the end of last season, and we know that second spot is where some of the best hitters in the game usually bat. Think of Mike Trout, um, you know, think of uh, Aaron Judge, other guys like that. They are usually in that two hole to give those guys as much at bats throughout the course of the season as possible with runners in scoring position, and that runners in scoring position doesn't happen without the leadoff guy getting on base. And Victor Robles. Surprisingly enough, he hasn't had that many opportunities to bat leadoff. But when he does in his major league career, he's actually done pretty well. Only 21 games, but he's hit over 300. He's got 26 hits. Uh, he scored 13 runs, uh, meaning that you know guys behind him are able to drive him in. Don't forget to uh, also add in the factor of him stealing bases when needed. And his on-base percentage is over uh, 360. So that's pretty solid for a leadoff hitter. I think the Nationals would take that. I know that's a very small sample size, Amy. 362 over 21 games uh, leading off. But if you ex- take that 362 and expand it over a 162-game season, and, and that's that's pretty much what he hits, that's the average, or even put it on the Nationals last year as that's what his average is no matter where he's hitting, and he's hitting mostly leadoff, that would have been third on the Nats uh, uh, in terms of on-base percentage last year behind Juan Soto and Trey Turner, who, of course, had monster years. So th- this is what the Nationals are looking for, right? They are looking for... Uh, Victor Robles to become the leadoff hitter that he was in the minors. He hit uh, leadoff mostly in the minors. um, And that way he really fills out their lineup and, and and gives Juan Soto, Trey Turner uh, opportunities to go into the plate with runners on.
2: Exactly. It gives them the nationals a great chance to lengthen their lineup. Um, And the good news is he doesn't have to hit for a super high average, or you don't have to worry about him, you know, making such little hard contact. Um, it's just that he needs to get on base so he needs to improve that on base percentage he uh was was 293 was his on base percentage in 2020 and a big chunk of that was from being hit by pitches he's hit by nine pitches uh, a team high in 2020 and 25 pitches in 2019 so anyway i guess right as long as you aren't getting hurt uh get on anyway that's what you need out of your leadoff guy but he he doesn't have to hit for a super high average and he had success leading off in the minors and he has a decent amount of success in the 21 games that he's led off at, at the major league level. Um, and Davey Martinez says you just need him to be, to be aggressive in the strike zone. And that's, he looked pretty good in his at bats um, um, just yesterday. So, or I'm sorry on Sunday. So he looked pretty good so far. You'll see what you see over the next few games. And maybe that'll give Davey Martinez his answer on whether on opening day, if he really could be your, your leadoff hitter.
1: Yeah, and three at-bats on Sunday against the Cardinals. Victor was able to get at least a hit. He also drove in a run, which is nice to see. Um, You know, I was making that graphic I flashed earlier. You know, I was trying to decide which stats to put on there, and I figured runs would be more telling because the idea is for him to get on base and then score runs with Soto and Turner driving him in. But he also had a handful, a good amount of RBIs from that slot too, so... If the Nationals are able to flip the lineup, those guys lower in the lineup able to get on base as well. Robles has the power and the ability to drive them in as well. So it's not like you're losing RBI production uh, from the from the um, the leadoff guy. You know they also get the chance to back guys in. Um, and Robles has proven that he, he can do that. You mentioned David Martinez talking about it. We actually got to hear from hitting coach Kevin Long today. He had a great 30-minute session with the media, and he was asked about Victor Robles and, and the possibility of him batting leadoff and what that could mean for this Nationals lineup and how that fills out the rest of the Nationals lineup if Victor Robles is able to bat leadoff and get on base uh, at a consistent clip.
3: Oh, I mean... <laughs> If we could have Victor Robles lead off, it's, it's huge um, because it now allows us to put Trey, who's now, you know, a really, really polished hitter. It it allows us to put him in maybe the two or three hole. um, And it kind of lengthens out our lineup. Um, Yeah. Victor's, he could be a very big piece to us being a championship caliber team. Um, You know, we need him to progress and get better. If he can lead off and he, uh, you know, starts to learn the strike zone and do some things that a good leadoff hitter is capable of, we're in good shape. Um, against lefties, if you looked at Victor's numbers, he, they they're pretty. They they pop out at you. They're pretty impressive. Against righties, that's where he's struggling. So um, we got to gain on that. Um, but if if you were saying against a lefty right now, you can lead off Victor all day long. I think we've got our leadoff hitter. Um, we need him to progress uh, as those numbers that you see against him, against lefties, we need those to – he needs to close that gap. It can't be one extreme to the other. The right-handed uh, pitcher um, against those needs needs to improve. If he does that, then he can certainly lead off.
1: If you haven't already, go back onto the and Nationals YouTube channel and find that entire – Sit down with uh, Kevin Long. He was fantastic. Again, he talked to the media for about 30 minutes earlier today. Um, Great behind-the-scenes stories and insight on Juan Soto, uh, on what Carter Keboom is doing to adjust his batting stance, uh, with Victor Robles as well, Starling Castro. Uh, Great insight from the hitting coach. You can tell he just loves talking about hitting, so take the time. Go watch that. But, Amy, um, you know, he mentions Victor Robles' splits, Uh, versus righties and lefties if he can be more consistent against both sides uh, of pitch both kinds of pitchers that adds so much more to his repertoire and and capabilities at the leadoff spot
2: exactly that'll be the difference for him and being consistent is so key in being in that leadoff position and you just need him to get on base you just need him to be consistent so you can lengthen that lineup um, and get the most most out of every position Uh, Bobby what stood out most to you in these these past two games what have you learned
1: um, well, another thing that I think we can we have to absolutely mention is Ryan Zimmerman's back, Mr. National is back. Uh, he made his spring training debut, which is a lot earlier. I guess technically it was still March, so he didn't play in February, but a lot earlier than we've become uh, a grown accustomed to in the past couple of years, or at least definitely later in his career. He's uh, a much more of a late bloomer in spring training. Uh, Than uh, other guys, but he made his major league, de- uh, excuse me, his great fruit league debut uh, just yesterday against the Astros. And in his, he drew a walk in his first time up, his first plate appearance. And the next time up, he hit a home run. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. Uh, it's very exciting. The Nationals fans that were there, of course, were very happy excited to see that. I know Nationals fans at home were excited to read about it. Uh, and to me, that just says, You know this guy's fresh. I mean, he took the year off, uh, understandably so. We know the reasons behind his decision to do that, but uh, he's coming in. This is a guy who's you know in his mid-thirties too. He's got a lot of mileage underneath him. Uh, You know his body's starting to not completely break down, but you know it's it's tougher year in and year out for him. And I think that year off is going to pay dividends. We're already seeing it. I think he's coming to camp a little more fresh, uh, a little more energetic. Uh, as maybe could be able to take and also consider the workload he's going to have through this season going to be a lot less than we uh, used to. I think we're going to see a much more fresh and a fresher Ryan Zimmerman throughout the course of the season.
2: Yeah, maybe we will. You kind of worry about these guys taking an entire year year off that late in their career and it's kind of rest versus rust, right? Which, which Ryan Zimmerman are we going to get? And we definitely saw the Ryan Zimmerman that was rested on his first game back and, um, and he was part of that back-to-back-to-back home run streak there for the Nationals. And he looked good, good defensively, too. I mean, he was moving a little bit. He made that nice scoop on that kind of uh, bad throw by Carter Keeboom there. A good play, but bad throw. Um, and so that's good. You want to see him not only to look good at the plate, be able to hit home runs, um, spring training, pitching, and for what it's worth, but you still have to hit it over the fence, right? Um, and to be able to move a little bit defensively, too, is really important.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, again, we. Don't mean to inter- overreact uh, too much. But, I mean, it, one, it's just exciting to see him back out there in a uniform playing in a game. And then, two, just the production and the home run um, is always exciting. Like you mentioned, the back-to-back-to-back uh, to start off that uh, inning for the Nationals yesterday was exciting. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think comp- compiled with the, uh, like I said, the the, the workload he's going to have this year, it's not going to be as high as in the past. He's not the everyday uh, starting first baseman, and and he's okay with that. He said he's fine with that. Um, he's going to play a lot less, and I, I'm interested to see how that will compare to the last time we saw Ryan Zimmerman play a meaningful amount of games. And that was 2019. Of course, he was dealing with some injuries that year, um, but looking at his numbers from that season, he played in 52 games, which I think is a, you know, he might play in a little more, but it's a fair kind of, Target maybe gauge of how many games he'll play this season, assuming Josh Bell stays healthy. But he only hit 257, the six home runs, 27 RBIs, and an OPS of 736. Uh, so for Zim, you know, if that target amount of workload is 52 games, maybe a little more, let's say between 50 and 70. Uh, you know, if you can get that average up, if you can maybe hit double-digit home runs, RBIs. You know, around thirty, between thirty and forty. I mean, that's going to be a productive season for the for the Nationals and, and for Ryan Zimmerman. They will take that every single time, uh, especially from their backup first baseman.
2: Mm-hmm. And the lessened workload, I think, I will imagine, will be a good thing for him at this point in his career with the injury history. But you do worry about taking a year off and then coming and sitting and not seeing consistent live pitching Um, just trying to get back in the swing of things but one thing that Ryan Zimmerman mentioned was that well not only does he feel as good as ever but spring training started on time everything feels kind of normal and it's just like getting back in the groove of things it's just like he's used to Uh, he's been around this game a long time 16 years so he kind of knows how it works he's obviously has a great feel for things and maybe we'll get this new fresh Ryan Zimmerman and you know, with the, with a lesson workload, it's, it's going to work a good balance at first base for him.
1: Yep. And Ryan Zimmerman came out of the game yesterday, met with the media um, and of course was asked about what it was like to be back on the field, what it was like to hit the home run, but also how's his body feeling? How was he feeling uh, coming out of, you know, after a week of spring training and, you know, he talked about how you, you know, you never, you can't really, uh, you know, duplicate the, the reps you get in a game uh, on a practice field, or even especially when you're not playing uh, and with the team every single day, you take a year off. So here's Ryan Zerman uh, after playing in yesterday's game, uh, talking about how he feels physically.
0: Uh, no, I mean, I feel good. I'll be sore like I always am. I think um, you can't mimic, you know, they had all right-handers in their lineup, so I'm playing as far over in the four hole as I can. I mean, you can't mimic the sprint to first base or there's a couple foul balls near our dugout that, I had to run full speed over there for um, so that's the good thing about these first week to 10 days in these games is you get that sort of soreness out. Um, You can train as hard as you want. You can be in the best shape, whatever you want to say until you get, you know, a few of these four or five inning games under your belt. And then you kind of stretch it out to like that six, seven inning. then that kind of goes away. So it's, I mean, the results are great, but I think more importantly, it's it's getting your body ready and going through kind of your pregame routine that I've always talked about and mentally sort of getting back into that rhythm. That's the most important part for me, the first 10 days to two weeks.
1: A man that's been around for 16 years obviously knows uh, the, uh, the physical toll it takes to play this game and um, how to ease his body into spring training. So, uh, you know, good to see that Ryan Zimmerman is – is, is feeling comfortable and, you know, the aches and pains of the everyday grind is, is familiar to him and he knows how to handle it. So he should be uh, pretty good to go, hopefully, and we'll see him a couple more lineups over the course of the week uh, and as we get close to opening day as well. Um, all right, Amy, any more things that we have learned over the past two weeks?
2: Um, Just, you know, we won't get too much into this because we're going to be talking about it a lot, I'm sure, as we get closer to the start of the season, but it's that fifth starter battle kind of got kicked off um, this week. Eric Fetty had an outing, uh, 28 pitches, and Austin Voth had just a seven pitch, three up, three down um, outing for him, but these are two guys that are got off to a star. We haven't seen Joe Ross yet in the mix, but um, and we obviously hadn't haven't seen the top of the rotation um, get out there yet there's throwing in some more controlled settings some wide pins and all of that but um it's it's uh it's exciting to see this get kicked off and i don't know how much we know from these two outings both austin both obviously looked really good yesterday and eric Fetty kind of struggled um, but then he he got control better control he turned to his cutter a little bit more which is something that he's he struggled with throughout his career so maybe that's a good sign Uh, but it's hard to tell in one outing um and it's hard to tell you know with eric Fetty's option left where he even stands in this battle but we'll see more of this um, throughout the throughout throughout spring training, can you tell anything from these first outings, Bobby? Or you just think it's kind of it's too soon to, to say anything, draw any conclusions?
1: I, I something small, um, and this is more so for Voth than for Fetty. I, well, one I'll, I'll say for Fetty, he gave up the one run um, in, in his one inning, but he got out of a jam, which was good to see. And, and we talked a lot about this, at the, especially at the end of last season. Amy, and throughout the course of the season, really, uh, you know, these guys, you know, everything is not going to go perfectly. You know, they're not Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg on on a good day. Uh, You know, we saw both pitch really well near the end of the season, but, you know, on any given day, they're going to run into trouble. And how do you escape that? How do you handle that? And so it was good, I think, for me to see Fetty, one, in his one inning, see some trouble early and then two, get out of it and kind of ease himself into it, um, you know, trust his stuff trust his catcher and get it out of that situation, but more so for on Austin to both side. And this is something that Jim Hickey talked about today when he met with the media is that I, it was interesting that he uh, threw more pitches in his bullpen leading up to the game than the actual game. He, I think he only pitched seven. Uh, he only threw seven pitches against the Astros yesterday, a clean inning, a perfect inning. Um, to start the game. He looked really good. And, and, Jim Hickey mentioned it It was something that, you know, a lot of pitching coaches do is, like, especially early on spring training is, you know, because especially now with the rules, you know, you can roll over innings if the pitcher gets past 20 pitches in a single inning. Um, You know, Jim Hickey had Austin Voth basically throw a bullpen session before the game and then leading into the – so it was basically like Austin Voth was, like, already on his second or third inning – going into the first so he was like already kind of settled in uh Mm -hmm. before starting the game which i thought was interesting and it obviously played well for him like i said it made quick work of the astros to start the game uh which was a good sign uh for him especially since last year we saw so many times he got off to bad starts and then couldn't recover
2: yeah that's a really good point that's really um Something important to point out. Is there anything else that stands out to you? Anything that you've learned? Any conclusions you think we can draw this this soon in?
1: I don't know if it's a conclusion. i I'm, and of course every team goes through this, but no one is immune to the injury bug. Um, we you know we know about Max Scherzer coming into the season or spring training with a, a sprained uh, ankle. Um, and he's been throwing off the bullpen for a past couple of days. Uh, update today was that he is expected to make his spring training debut on Friday. He's going to face a couple of hitters, I think, or I think Jim Henke called it a quick two-inninger uh, tomorrow, and if that goes well, uh, then he will make a start Friday night um, for their spring training game, uh, which is good to see. And then Juan Soto, I mean, he was supposed to make his debut yesterday, of course, did not, um, which was draw to some concern, right? You know, you especially when the day before the manager says he's going to play and then the lineup comes out and you don't see um, you know your best players name in it and your thing what's what, what's going on here uh, he fouled off a ball onto his foot it apparently got right underneath that padding which is un- unfortunate but uh, he was day to day he was able to do full workouts um, today Tuesday and he uh, will be is confirmed to be in the lineup he's good to go and he'll be in the lineup on Wednesday as they take on the Marlins but just goes to show you know I mean not you know It's not just other teams. It's not just the Nationals. Everyone has to battle through injuries. Uh, And this is not the time to, you know, stress yourself or push yourself even further than you have to, right? If Max can't go or shouldn't go on Friday, then he shouldn't. But, you know, we know Max. He wants to get out there. He wants to compete. Um, But right now, you know, the first two weeks of spring training is not the time to do it. If Juan Soto had any kind of hindrance to that foot he should not be in the lineup it's just not worth it at this moment right especially you know your ace of your staff and your mvp candidate in juan soto so no one's prone to it um i think it's also interesting that we haven't seen steven strasburg make his debut yet uh well by all accounts he's okay he's good to go his start has just hasn't come up yet and the couple off days have uh, kind of shaken up the pitching uh, plans for now but you know it, it just I guess my, my main takeaway is caution, right? You know, there's no need to be stressed or push anything right now if you don't have to.
2: Right, I mean, this spring training is a time to get your guys healthy, not get them hurt. So uh, you definitely don't want to push them. And it seems like they're they're easing the top of their rotation into it a little bit, building them up, uh, letting them pitch in some more controlled settings, live BP, things like that, before they go out there and make their first starts. And it seems like Max Scherzer really isn't going to be too far behind the eight ball. You know, he's right in there with it. I'm not going to miss too much time. But the important thing is that you need to get them healthy. Now is not the time to push them because come opening day, you want your your best pitcher and you want your best hitter to be able to go and be at their best.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, in terms of, sort of the pitching schedule, Jim Hickey said it was, it was, it's been kind of difficult with the off days and the amount of pitchers they have. Uh, they could possibly carry eight guys who can make starts at any given time uh, because they really want to stretch these guys out and be careful with them. Um, and especially early on in the season, guys who didn't pitch last year, your Joe Rosses, your Steven Strasburgs, guys who maybe pitched too much, uh, and guys who you know, are up there in age, uh, Scherzer and, and Lester. John Lester uh, is on track to, I think, make his debut on Thursday. So that might be your first time seeing John Lester in a national's uniform in a game situation, so keep your eye on that. And then the last thing I, I have, and Amy, this kind of ties into our conversation last week, is that you know the young guys are showing up and and, and looking really good and they're impressing. Um, I'm I'm not just talking about you know Soto, Kibum, Robles. You know guys, I'm talking about rookies, guys, prospects that we talked about last week. Um, Jim Hickey today mentioned off the cuff, you know, Kate Cavalli, Jackson Rutledge, Matt Cronin, uh, Tim Kate, uh, guys that he uh, Cole Henry, guys that he have seen pitch already that look really good. So it's not just like we said last. Last week, uh, you know, they're not just there just for the sake of being there. They're there, they're pitching, and they looked impressed. And we've heard, of course, from other people say us the same thing, um, that the young guys are, are looking strong to start their spring.
2: Yeah, it's exciting to see. And then on the other side, our Drew Mendoza got a hit, really nice play a guy. You were talking uh, about last week a guy to keep an eye on um, over over spring training and all those arms. I mean, they're going to get chances to go out there and pitch um in low leverage situations obviously and it'll be great for those the all these coaches higher ups to see these guys a pitch get a real good look on them um and and see what they're capable of and then that will only help them down the line when it comes time to move up
1: yep and like we said if uh we you know if you're there you might as well impress and uh you caught the eye of the major league pitching coach which is always a good thing Um, And you mentioned Drew Mendoza. He also made a stellar defensive play at first base the other night. MLB, the official MLB account, tweeted out as the play of the day to start spring training. Just a great uh, one-headed grab of the uh, the ball bouncing off first base bag. So impressive stuff from uh, a Nationals prospect, um, the the Nationals fans to remember the name uh, moving forward. Um, Is that about it for the things that we've learned so far? It can't be that much, right? It's only been two weeks.
2: Right. It's so hard to tell. That's everything I have. Um, You're not going to see a whole lot. You're seeing a whole lot of guys thrown at you, a lot that you probably don't know too well. Uh, You're seeing hit pitch for the first time, and that's the exciting part about spring training. So we're just kind of seeing these guys for the first time, getting looks on them and trying to – Draw inferences moving forward from what we see. Uh, But it's so hard to tell at this point. You just have to take spring training for what it is because the games don't matter a whole lot. It's really what these these, uh, players are doing, how they're preparing for the season, and how that'll look moving forward.
1: Yeah, got to control our expectations too. And it is weird that they have an off day after two games. So we're literally only going off two games right now. Um, And we'll see them play back on the field tomorrow again against the Marlins. Um, I think if you have a subscription to MLB.tv, I think their games later on in this week, including that Friday game um, with Max Scherzer possibly starting, uh, will be available on MLB.tv. So be sure to check that out uh, if you are able to. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Mass and All Access podcast. Amy, thanks so much for joining me. Be sure to give her a follow on Twitter at Amy Jennings News. You can also give me a follow at Bobby underscore Blanco. Of course, at Mass and Nationals. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Uh, YouTube, follow the YouTube channel. All of our content throughout the course of spring training is going to be up there. Uh, Here, exclusive interviews, all the press conferences, stuff like that. Uh, Subscribe to the YouTube channel for all the latest uh, nationals, videos, and sound from players and coaches alike. Of course, follow the Mass and All Access podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts. Hopefully, you're subscribed and spreading the word. We really appreciate all the time uh, that you have given us and the energy and the feedback And we really appreciate everyone who's invested in the show and um, stuck with us and continue to stay with us throughout the course of spring training. Amy, thanks so much for your time. Uh, Really appreciate the conversation. Enjoy the company as well. Uh, Have a good week and we'll talk to you later. All right. See ya. Thanks again to everyone, especially those who joined us on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Uh, Thanks for coming along. Really appreciate it. And uh, stay safe, stay healthy out there. Be uh, happy that baseball's back. Tune in when you can, chat when you can, and um, we'll talk to you later. Stay safe and uh, have a good one.